Well, this afternoon, uh, hopefully you're not so full from lunch and the last workshop that you're able to stay awake, but here's the deal. You get grace in my class. You get full grace. If you need to just, yeah, I got, a, I got a little cheer over there. If you need to stretch out, if you need to just do whatever you need to do, I want you to feel free to be able to do that, okay? Here's a couple things. Now that you're all seated and comfortable, we're going to have a little, we're going to do something. Okay, I'll go on this side. Okay, everybody has to stand up, please. Okay. Where am I? Behind the couch. Where am I in, uh, am, I, am I there or am I here? I'm over there. Where are you? Okay, come join me. Come here. Come with me. Come with me. Okay. See, this will keep you awake. Uh-huh, see? you're gonna, But also now you see there's a little couch hidden up here too. That's dangerous. Okay, yeah. Now where are we? I did not do that. Okay, you're here. You're all here, but you were there. And I was here. But you're texting. Uh-huh. Oops. Or tweeting. Hashtag new life C-O-N-F comp. Hashtag new life comp. Okay, where am I now? I thought I was here. Where are you? Come join me. Come to there. Come to there with me. Come to there with me. Stand here. But wait, this is there. Okay, she says it's here for her, but it's there for all of them. Oh, I know. But we're here. We are here. But guess where they are now? They're, they're here. They're here. Okay, you're here now. What happened? We moved. There is there until it's no longer here. Here is here until it's no longer there. Until what happened? What would what, we just do? We caused a change. We, there was a catalyst of change. We moved. We advanced. We got up. We did something, right? Okay, now let's all go back to our seats. Okay, now that you're awake. As we get started... I wanted you all to experience physically what we're going to be talking about in this class, this afternoon, this workshop, because we're going to be talking about minding the gap, minding the gap. And the gap is between where I am, so I'm here, to where I am going, which is there, which is over there. But that distance between, the section between, mind the gap was first used in, does anybody know, Al Chong will know this. Where was minding the gap? Where does that phrase come from? London, 19, anybody know the year? 69, 1969, mind the gap alerted train passengers in the London underground to use caution while crossing the gap between the train door and the station platform. In other words... Pay attention between here and there. 
We're going to be talking about where here is for some of us today. We're going to hit it from a couple of angles. We're going to hit it from the personal. We're going to hit it from the professional of where is here and where is there. Tipping uh, sacred cows. Sacred cows, how many of you have blindly done things just because that's the way we always do them? Right? Yeah, because that's just the way we always do them. That's how it's done. Some of you have uh, Thanksgiving tradition. Some of you have sage dressing, cornbread dressing, right? And we go to Aunt Martha's house, and we always have that sage cornbread dressing because that's how we've always done them. Sometimes our sacred cows are, are virtuous. Sometimes they're habits. Sometimes they're tradition. But nonetheless, we're going to be talking about tipping sacred cows. And cow tipping. How many of you know what cow tipping is? Okay, you're, you're either from the north-north or from the south-south. Because if you're from the south, you invited all your north cousins to come, and we're going to go cow tipping later on tonight, right? And you tricked them. And if you're from the north, you believed them, right? Because it's a myth. We don't tip over cows. Has anybody tipped over a cow? Okay, thank you. Yeah, cow tipping. It's the, it's the joke those of us from the country play on our city cousins when they come over. It's like, yeah, we're going to go cow tip. And I remember doing this, and Mom, just in the nick of time, would save us, and she'd yell, supper! And then we'd all have to go in, and our city cousins would be so mad because, yet again, they missed out on tipping the cows. And we just laughed and laughed and laughed at, not with them. Okay, today's workshop. Hopefully we're going to spend this next, what do we got? We got about 40 minutes to be able to spend some time together to, to challenge our thinking, maybe look at things differently. In that little exercise, when all of you were sitting here at the first, you had a perspective, right? When you joined me over there, your perspective changed. You saw things differently. Somebody pointed out we have a little hole in the glass, which, by the way, I've never seen. Note to self. Okay. Uh, I've never seen that. Why have I not seen that? Because I haven't been over there. My perspective changed when I went in that, that corner. I saw things differently. And then when we all went that away, we saw things differently. So hopefully, in these next few minutes, we're going we're gonna to look at some things and see things differently. Here's the ground rules. If at any time you have a question, I am, I am not formal. Raise your hand if you need to clarify something, correct something. But just let me bring you the mic because we are recording this. Uh, two things, the restrooms, out those doors. Ladies, go to the left. Gentlemen, go to the right, just in case you need to know that. Feel free. If you want to text, if you want to tweet, it's hashtag newlifeconf. Be able to do that. If you want to check your Facebook, rules are gone. Do that. Feel free, because I know what it's like to sometimes sit in a workshop just waiting for the dinner to the dinner hour, and that's up next. So let's do those. For those of you who are ready to jump in, let's jump in, but let's jump in with prayer. Father, oh my goodness, we sit here. Lord, look at your creation, your magnificent hills, those mountains. Lord, when I look to those hills, from where does my help come from? Father, our help comes from you. You who never slumber, you who never sleep. We seek you. We ask you, Father, to guide us. Direct us, Holy Spirit, in our time together. Teach us, show us. Open our eyes and our hearts and our ears, Lord, to hear from you today and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Minding the gap between here and there, standing here to get there. We all have, we have physical gaps 
We have physical opportunities between here and there. We have emotional, we have relational, we have spiritual. If I want to stay, do this. If I want to stay right where I am physically, then I need not move, right? I need not advance. I need not do anything that is going to cause a change to what I'm doing right here. Minding the gap just simply means being aware and being intentional of where I am so that I can prayerfully decide and determine where I am going relationally. What happens if we don't invest and we don't change and we don't do anything? We sit here relationally. All that's taking place is in my, is in my mental, right? Now, it's a prayerful. I don't want to discard that. Sitting in the gap is also being mindful of that gap because I want to pray about, but if I want something to change in my relationship, I'm going to have to do something to change that spiritually. If I want quiet time, but I never do anything to get quiet time or build it in or factor it in, I'm going to remain here in what's happening currently, doing things the same way, expecting different results. We all know that. But in order to mind that gap between here and there, I have to be intentional. I have to look at that. What happens if we don't? What are some of the costs of failing to recognize that a change needs to take place in our, let's talk professional, let's talk our churches or our roles professionally for a minute. What happens if we don't have change? We, we become, yeah, we, exactly. It's, it's like a stagnant pond. I grew up uh, on a farm in Kentucky, and there were ponds that were just ick on top, just icky green ick, because there's no new living water coming into it. It's stagnant. It's stale. It's icky. And sometimes that can happen in our physical, emotional, spiritual, mental life if we're not being intentional to mind that gap and figure out between the here and the there, what do I need to do to change or to advance and move forward? One thing that we know here is you can't give what you don't have. If we as pastors, if we as leaders are not able to pour into others or we're seeking to pour into others but we don't have what they're needing because we have determined to sit like this we've sat in a stagnant place we're not able to help other people get to where they're needing to go and so as leaders and in our churches we have to have a pulse on intentionally minding the gap for other people as well to help them figure out between here and life as it is today, and maybe it's a broken place, maybe it's a hurting place, maybe it's a financial crisis, whatever it is here, in order to get there, we're going to have to be intentional and prayerful to mind that gap. Um, the slide says we have to pay attention to the space between where we are and where we want to be. It requires intentional action. The capacity to see gaps forces us to think about processes. Now, sometimes people like me drive some people like maybe you absolutely crazy because I love process. I love processes. I love looking at things in steps. I like looking at them, analyzing them. But you know what that also does is it stirs. I'm trouble for people, some of you, because it stirs up questions. 
when we're minding the gap and we're looking at today, but we're looking at tomorrow or where we want to get to, and we start asking a lot of questions and we look at it sort of analytically and we think, oh my goodness, in order to get there, we're going to have to do this and this and this and this and this. It stirs up questions, but that's okay. If we're truly being mindful of where we want to lead, taking our, our home, our family, our marriage, different aspects of our congregation, if we truly are going to do that, we have to look at it in such a way that says, I'm willing to take the risk. Being intentional about between here and there requires courage and a willingness to take a risk. One of the beautiful things that we have is the Holy Spirit. We, we don't have to figure out all of these things between here and there on our own. We can prayerfully say, okay, Lord, where are you taking us? Because here's the assurance that we have as believers. Between here and there, he's got us. Between here and there, he already knows it. I don't know what's around the corner for me, for uh, my family, for our congregation here at New Life Church, for the women's ministry or the children's ministry or the various areas of responsibility, but I know that he's got it. But I also know that to be a good steward of what he's given us means we have to intentionally be looking and stewarding the things of today in order to take and grow us to the things that we need for tomorrow. All right, we're going to do a little exercise. If you've got a piece of paper, um, what I want you to do is be able to grab something. We're gonna, before we talk about sacred cows, grab a piece of paper. I want to ask you about a professional disappointment that you've experienced. What is something that comes to mind in a professional a disappointment for you? I'll let you think about that for a second. I'm going to ask you about a personal disappointment. And dare I call it a failure? Dare I say, goodness, as Christians, what is a professional failure? What's a professional failure or a professional disappointment or a personal disappointment? You got it in your mind or written down? Okay, if that's your here, have you taken an intentional step to change that, to take it over here and say, okay, that what was identified as a disappointment, that what was identified as a failure, if I'm going to be intentional about that, what am I going to do to make a professional success out of that or a personal success out of that? Professionally, a professional disappointment. I never learned to type. Okay, I never learned to type. I cheated so badly, or so efficiently, maybe I should say, in high school that my girlfriend Gina, who was a speed typer, Gina, we, we had timed writings. You know, some of you know what that means because it was on a typewriter and not on the computer. But we had timed writings. Gina could whip out two timed writing tests and with zero error, she would hand the paper to me. I put my name, Yvette, on top. Gina put Gina on hers, and you hand them to the front of the class. That's how I, I cheated. There, it's recorded. On how to, how to pass typing, I cheated, and Gina passed typing for me. Okay? 
great if you're just looking for the grade. But if you someday, as an adult, might need to know how to type, <laughs> right? Um, wow, failure. I didn't take what was necessary to be intentional and the time and what was required for me to learn how to type. Now, I can hunt and peck with the best of them today. But had I stewarded and had I paid attention and had I been intentional back in the day, I would be so much more proficient at memos and things on the computer that I need today that I didn't take the time to change back then. So my here in a professional disappointment was I didn't take the time necessary. My over here, my there, is I reap the consequences of that. Okay, that same thing applies in every area of our life. Whatever is our, our personal, you know, I, I've gained and lost the same 30 pounds over the last few years. I gain, I find it, I lose it, I find it. You know, it's just over and over again. But personally, uh, we're, I'm from Kentucky. We are stagnant people. We are sedentary people. We like to sit on the porch with breakfast and coffee and talk about what we're having for lunch. And we like to rock and talk and sit. And then we like to talk about what we're going to have for supper. And exercise only just means get up to go get the plate, you know, and come back. So personally, my here and there, my minding the gap, my being intentional, or my, my personal disappointment is I never developed good, healthy eating habits. I didn't. I don't have healthy uh, exercise habits. So my here has had to change to get me to over here, to mind that gap, to figure out between the here and there of what can I do now to reverse that particular disappointment or that failure. All of us have a gap, a place where we can be intentional. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. Are those failures? Is it a failure in my life that I didn't learn to type and that I didn't take up good exercise habits in my youth? Because trust me, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. And so now when I walk around, I wish I had better exercise habits. Is that a failure? As Christians, are we allowed to call things a failure? I believe we are. I truly believe we are. I'll ask Josh to change my slide and take me. Go one up, please. Oh, keep going, keep going, keep going. There we go. If failure is not an option, then neither is success. Failure can either define you or refine you. But what happens with, and especially as we are in the church, the enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy our life and our life abundant, he wants to keep us trapped over here on the side of disappointments and, dare I say, failures and things that he will use against us as we are trying to mind that gap and move forward. He will try to keep us here and say, see, I told you you'd never be able to do anything. I told you you'd never be able to apply for and get that job. I told you you would never be good enough for, fill in the blanks. The enemy tries to keep us here, but you always pass failure on the way to success. Perfectionism is the fear of failure and the key, knowledge plus motivation and commitment to change. But what keeps us here? Fear. Fear is referenced 366 times in the Bible. I just love that. 
I, I just figured that's one for me every day. Like, wake up. I will not fear. I will not fear. Fear not, says the Lord. Lo, I am with you. Fear not. Do not be afraid. But this is where the enemy wants to keep us. Again, professionally and personally, he wants to keep the lies over us that we have failed or we have, are a failure instead of minding that intentional gap to say, I can change, not by my strength, I will and I can change with the Lord's help. But first step, identify. Be intentional about that gap, that place between my failures and my successes. Praise be to the Lord that we are, as believers, hopeful. We, we are hopeful. We understand hope because we know hope, capital H. We know him who brings us the hope and what we need to move forward. But there are these little things called sacred cows. All right, so let's go back to the sacred cow. Let's go back up, Josh. Sacred cows. How many of you have encountered sacred cows, not just at Thanksgiving, but sacred cows in your career, in your workplace, professionally? How many of you know what a sacred cow is? Yeah? All right, let's read this definition. Sacred cows. Don't shout out names. An individual or an organization, an institution, etc., considered to be exempt from criticism or questioning. Something too highly regarded to be open to criticism or curtailment. In fact, as in Hindu religion, to worship an ideology so as not to change it. Those things that are untouchable. Those things that we cannot change. If I'm going from here to there, personally and professionally, if I am advancing, if I am moving, if I am recognizing and going, I'm not going to do this the same way tomorrow as I've been doing it all of these times, we will encounter sacred cows. Those are, our, are some of our obstacles. Last November, I had the privilege of going to India and uh, I realized, truly, what sacred cow really means. Like, literally, they have sacred cows because part of the Hindu worship is cows are sacred. And so as you're driving down these packed streets that are only about two chairs wide, it feels like, with four cars and a bunch of rickshaws, there, is cow there are cows, herds of cows, 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 and cows, and more cows. But you cannot bump them. You cannot hurt them. You cannot shove them because they are untouchable to us, to push them. Just, I'm like, can't we just nudge them lovingly? Can we love them over? Can we pray them out of our way? Because, wow, the cows are in our way. But, you know, as I thought about this and as I asked different leaders uh, of organizations and churches, what are the things that just eat your lunch? What are the things that, you just, that just drives you crazy in your role? This was the answer, the sacred cows. Those things that we see or that we know or maybe is a favorite event or we've always done it this way or we use this curriculum and nobody wants to change it or we've, we always, this is just how we do it. You know, when those kind of things come up and that language comes up of this is the way we do it and someone comes in and says, huh, what if we, what, if, what would happen if we did it this way? Oh, no, 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 that's Bob's. You know, that's Bob's, and Bob's been at the church for 27 years, and we don't touch that. 
You know, we can't touch that. Uh-uh, no. And don't touch it. And hey, new, new girl, don't touch that. Yeah, right? Because it's sacred. It's the sacred cow. Sacred cow, something too highly regarded to be open to criticism. But if we're going to be intentional about looking at the things that are current, that are going on currently, professionally and personally, and we want to get over there, but there's a cow in the way, what do we do? We're going to have to address it. We're going to have to get it out of the way. We're going to have to at least talk about it. And you know, scripturally, we are told to hold things loosely. I so appreciate Pastor Brady on this point. He tells all of us, hold it loosely. He's even said about this conference, hey, this is an offering. This is an offering to people. If people want to come and if we can provide them an environment to learn and to grow, that's fabulous. But you know what? If the Lord by next year changes the course on this, let it go. We won't have a conference. If he gets in front of us and says, my goodness, this is rich. People are, are really learning and growing out of this. What can we do to improve it? We have to be intentional about thinking about that. But we can't just keep doing it because we always do it. We always do it in September. We always have it for three days. We always have, you know, that's when we get into the rut mentality. That's that stagnant pond that I was talking about where we're just, we're just, let me just sit here. No change, no growth, no fresh eyes, too many sacred cows. Uh, So-and-so is going to say no. He always says no. She always says no. We can't touch that. Wow, that's a biggie. I want to encourage us to think in faith and confidently that sacred cows can be moved. In my book, they can be slaughtered, and we can be eating burgers by 5 o'clock. Okay? So, love that. Okay. Let's do a little goal. We're going to have a little uh, workshop here. I want you to, again, next slide, please. We're going to, um, what I want you to do is look at some goals. Today's reality, today's reality, if the pace is built around the urgent. How many of you are living in the urgent? How many of you are, okay, here, I won't tell Pastor Brady. How many of you are addicted to busy? Yeah. How many of you are not practicing a Jesus rhythm? Yeah. Okay, I got a pink shirt up here that's kind of raising her hand on everything. Sorry. Yeah. How many of you feel like you never have time to do what you want to do in your personal or professional, your church or your home life, because there's just so many things that are being packed on top of you, packed on top of you, packed on top of you. We never get the chance to breathe and assess and look at these things. So here's a little exercise for us. If the goal is to excel at everything, is that reality? Is that realistic? But why do we put that pressure on ourselves? Why do we make the goal to be the best at or most excellent of fill in the blank? Women's ministry, children's ministry, men's ministry, worship ministry, greeters at the church. There is, yes, there is an element of excellence. We want excellence. But here's what changes it. To be excellent and to excel at everything changes the pacing of that. Do you see the difference? One is a desire. It's stewarding well. The other is a habit. And the other brings in and offers pride. It allows us to say we are, we are untouchable. We do this better than anybody else. We excel at fill in the blank. Not a bad goal to be excelling at or be excellent in our church or in our ministry, except for when it changes and it's driving us instead of us 
driving it. The pacing is different. To have more events, if you're geared towards numbers, and how many women's events? How many women's events did you have last year? Wow, we had 17. Wow, we had 24. Oh, my goodness. If that's where we're getting our applause and our affirmations about how many more things we're adding on, it's the wrong mindset. This is a sacred cow for us to stop and go, okay, we're not just going to keep doing things the way we're doing them and increasing the numbers if we don't have the capacity to be able to do that, if we are not truly looking at the outcomes that we're trying to reach, to have more at events, to have more attendees, to accomplish more. If our teams are just individuals reporting to bosses with no accountability, because we're moving so fast, this is what our team makeup looks like, right? They just sit. They're busy, 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 but they're waiting for the boss to come in and tell them what the next busy is, the next thing. If that's the makeup of our teams, they have no voice and they have no authority. If the workplace is urgent, driven, top-down, if communication is top-down telling others via email, handouts, memos, with no voice or input, then your results are going to be innovation is stunted, workers are not engaged, and families receive routine, non-relevant ministry. Did that describe anybody in this room? We can get so caught up that we're just doing and doing and doing for the sake of doing because we're not intentionally taking what I call take the pulse. Take the pulse of your people. Take the pulse of the families. If you serve in children's ministry, have a safe and thriving children's ministry. But they're not your end, if you will, end user. It's that family. That family is who brings those children to church every week. That family has the dynamics that we as the church should be looking at and needing and wanting and desiring to address with them. So that by the time they get out of their car and into your church and they have had a safe, thriving, fun, loving the Lord, worship, they're back in the car, what happens now during the week? Oftentimes, if we are responsible for that, this is how we're driven. So let's take the next slide and say, okay, what happens if the pace is outcomes-based? A paradigm shift. Here we go. Looking at it differently, being intentional to say, what if the goal is to truly equip and change the families you serve? What if you just flip that goal? Not just to serve 240 families this week, but truly to say, I want to equip and change the families you serve. I want our families to be more engaged. I want them to have ownership. I want them to step into what we're doing here at New Life Church or fill in the blank in ministry. Then look what starts to happen. If you are then responsible for the teams that can be self-organized and based on prioritized goals, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. If we're not mining the gap and thinking about where we're going from here to there, we can't articulate to those we serve, to those that we are uh, maybe in, in authority, if some of us are leaders, or to our families. We can't articulate where there is if we haven't established the goal, which is, what do you need? What do you need, families of fill in your church, so that we can 
intentionally look to see how we can provide that. How are we staffing and building our capacity to be able to do that? If the work pace has, is family needs driven with plans in place, the communication will be factual resolves with discussion for understanding and interaction. How much does your pace allow you to sit down with your family, spouse, people that you're in, in uh, fellowship with, your peers, your church? How often do you guys just get to sit down and interact and discuss openly with real, authentic communication? How much investment do you take or do you make for conflict resolution? Because I don't know about you, sometimes, every now and again, there's conflict. Probably, more often than not. But if we don't, again, take the time to be intentional to say, that just keeps popping up. I'm watching a trend. I'm watching a trend. I'm watching a trend. It's a sacred cow. We don't do business in ministry, do we? Oh, my goodness. Don't bring ministry speak into the church. Wow. But what if we bring a little bit of business speak into our church and say, let's do some conflict resolution among our staff. Let's do some communication training among our staff. Yes, chapter and verse. Yes, have the scriptures. But let's also take some of the principles that we know work and do a paradigm shift in our ministries to say, let's look at our outcomes and let's look at what we're doing to better steward and to better serve our family. So factual resolves with discussion. Results continuous. If the, if the results then that we desire are continuous innovation with self-organized teams and high performance, thus focusing on people's needs, how much better, how much more are we able to then say to our families, and when I say families, I don't just mean those outside that come into our churches. I mean my husband, my twin daughters, my son, my four grandbabies, us. How much more intentionally can we be giving what we have instead of trying to pour out what we don't have in our families? Okay, healthy things grow. I'm going to give you quick, quick, seven quick bullet points about growth and about change. I've given you some visuals that, you know, if we're going to stay here, hey, it's here is fine. Here is fine as long as there's food near me. Here's fine. Okay, here's good. I'm happy here. And sometimes I need to just sit here. Sometimes I need to sit and be still here in order to prayerfully, intentionally say, that's where I'm going individually, personally, as a couple, as a family, as a church. But healthy things grow. Growing things change. Healthy things grow and growing things change. This is how we know we're growing because they're different than the last time we, when we saw them. I don't know how many of you have had little potted plants or I'm kind of a freak about gardening in Colorado, which is like, it's an oxymoron, gardening in Colorado. It just, wow. What grows in San? Are you Arizona? You have a garden? Really? Welcome. Yeah, we don't either. Yeah, to be able to grow something in Colorado is just this side of like parting the Red Sea, I swear. Okay, but I have this little tomato plant. I baby that thing. I love that thing. A little flower comes out, and I tell the grandkids, look, it's going to be a tomato. We're going to eat that little tiny, tiny flower. 
They get so excited with me, and we watch it, and we watch it, and we watch it, and it takes, you know, change, and it starts to grow, and it transforms, and it evolves from this little tiny flower off this green plant, yellow flower becomes red tomato. It's fabulous to watch. But what happened? It, it changed. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. Changing things challenge. Mark Twain said, the only person that likes change is a wet baby. And I love that. Because when we are being intentional, and we're actually talking about killing sacred cows, or at least addressing them, maybe we didn't eat them, barbecue, but maybe we at least touched them and pushed them out of the way, what's going to happen? You're going to rile up some people. You know, because some of us don't like change. Others of us do like change. But in any regard, it's going to cause us to have to get outside of our stable normal, what we understand and what we know. So changing things challenge. Challenging things force us to trust God. How many of you have been in the valley of the shadow of death? How many have just been in the valley? I know I have. And when am I the most dependent on the Lord? When is my faith greater? When is my prayer life stronger? When am I most intentional? Is in that valley. And then I get up to the mountain and I, I give praise and I rejoice and I thank you, Lord. And then I kind of get, you know, fat happy again. I'm just wee-wee-hoo until what? What's on the other side of a mountain? Another valley. But when we are challenged, when we either are challenged or we are the ones that's promoting the challenge. To be able to force us and drive us more in faith, walking closer to the Lord, is good for all of our churches. It's good for all of our families to walk through these things. Sometimes we have to go through those things to appreciate what it is that we have, to not grow. I never want to grow um, comfortable in looking at those mountains. You know, I say to the Lord, please let me take, never take those for granted. I want to see that so fresh every day. I want to look at that and quote Psalm 121 over you every day that I look at those. But sometimes we have to have a different perspective or a different paradigm to appreciate what we have in order to move forward. Challenging things force us to trust God. Trust leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy. And we're right back to the cycle. Healthy things grow. Even now, you're somewhere on this cycle. Somewhere in your personal or your professional life, you are thinking, I do need to make a change. I do need to be intentional. I do need to mind the gap and be able to get through all the obstacles, whatever they are, in order for something to be different in my life, in my ministry. And the last slide, I said, minding the gap, tipping sacred cows, and other lessons. Just a few nuggets. A mother is only as happy as her saddest child. I just grabbed some of the favorite sayings that I have learned to love and learned to live with in my 52 years on this beautiful planet. But a mother is only as happy as her saddest child is one of my favorite quotes. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Mother Teresa, I love that quote. I have the privilege of serving here at New Life for our 50-plus ministry. And it breaks my heart to see, and it doesn't have to be 50 plus, it can be 50 minus, to experience loneliness. But when someone is lonely, the enemy attacks. And as 
leaders, as ministry leaders, as men and women, as brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever we can do to reach out, to be intentional with someone, to not allow them to walk through that terrible poverty. Eat and enjoy, for you never know what tomorrow may bring. That's my Papa Walter. Thank you. Obedience precedes emotion. This is my, my little life slogan because I don't know if you're as stubborn and hard-headed as I am, but if I wait till I feel like doing something, probably ain't going to happen. I have to be reminded of an obedience. Forgiveness, for example. If I need to forgive so-and-so, I know that. I got that. I know that. I got the verse. I got the chapter. I got this. But I can sit here and know what it is, but not feel like doing it, and I won't do it. But if I will just step forward out of an obedience, the tenderness comes. The heart changes. Obedience comes first. I will not do it if I wait till I feel like doing it. And trust is the currency of leadership. My last little tip there for you, and we're going to close up. Trust being the currency of leadership. If you are responsible for anything in your professional, in your career, in your ministry, in your home, in a friendship, as a mother, a sister, an auntie. Trust is your currency. That is what, as leaders and as brothers and sisters, that we spend with one another. And when that gets jeopardized, we back up and we have to redo. But praise to the Lord for his mercy being new every morning and his grace in our lives to be able to reestablish and re-reestablish trust with one another. Let me pray for us because we're almost finished. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you just for this time together. Lord, I just pray something reaches someone here, Father, that you will prompt us to not walk in fear. Lord, give us the courage that we need. Lord, prompt us with an obedience. Lord, that we would not stay in the status quo, that we would be rich and thriving and growing to a hurting and dying world. Lord, let us, let us be a model to them. Let us be what they are looking for that is filled with hope. And Father, give us what we need to be those change agents for your truth, for your hope in families. Lord, give us the courage to go back to our, our churches and ministry opportunities and our obligations. Help us to steward them well. Father, for you have the plans. You've got the plans, and it's plans with future and hope in each one of these people represented here today. Father, I ask your blessing over them in their lives, in their families, Lord, in their health, and for the remainder of this conference, Lord, let them not leave changed. Let, let them not stay here the same. Let them leave, Father, changed for your glory, receiving from you what you would have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.